Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Lord, we just ask that you would be with us this morning, that you'd speak to us. We thank you for your goodness and that you're here right now. And I pray that you would say everything that you want to say to our hearts, that you'd accomplish everything that you want to accomplish. And we say, come Holy Spirit and have your way in our hearts and in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, this, I'm kind of distracted. I've got a Rebel Sport voucher here that's slipping out of my phone and it just keeps sliding out. So, you know, hopefully I can just keep that engaged there. But this morning I want to uh, talk on the easy way. The easy way. Uh, does that sound good? There's no easy way. <laughs> Do you want to come and share with us this morning, Jill? Everyone will probably leave, but that's okay because we want to hear the easy things in life, don't we? The easy way. I want to read a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, When all is said and done, the life of faith is nothing if not an unending struggle of the spirit with every available weapon against the flesh. This is so true. Every single person in this room has a choice. Will we fight the flesh or will we give way to the flesh? And there's an easy way and a hard way. And the older I'm getting, the more I'm realizing that God's way is the easy way. Man's way is the hard way. And yet for so many years or for so often, we actually pursue things in our own strength, our own gifting, our own abilities, our own resources, and we try and push through and make things happen. Let me give you a secret pill to the easy way. Yield to Jesus. When we yield to God and His plan and the voice of the Spirit, it is the easy way. Um, the, it, it's such a funny conundrum sometimes in life. I remember hearing that word when I was about 31 thinking, I'm 31 years old. I've never heard the word conundrum used in a sentence before. And so here I am 14 years later and I'm using the word conundrum. It means it, it's just one of those baffling things. And so it's baffling to the flesh, the way of the Spirit. Galatians, Paul talks about, in the book of Galatians, Paul explains that the flesh rages against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. This is called the human journey. No one in this room is exempt from this journey. From this battle, this inward battle, sometimes it's in our mind, sometimes it's physical situations going on around us, but every single human has this battle going on at all times. We might look at other people and think they finally arrived, they're 75 and they've got great family and grandkids and everything's going rosy. No, they still have the inward battle. The flesh and the spirit, is that true, Jill? Yeah, that's true, she said. So it's, a, it's, an, it's an ongoing journey. It's something we never fully attain to because that's called heaven. In heaven, we attain to full unity with Jesus, unity with the Father, unity with the Spirit, freedom from sin, and we don't have to war against this stuff anymore. But it's a journey that we can win. 
But when we yield in obedience to the voice of the Spirit, it's much easier. I've told you many times, I think I've told the story about how in business, um, you know, when you are gifted at something, it can be your greatest strength, but it can also be your greatest weakness. Because your greatest natural strength can feed your ego and become a weakness. And I remember the day as clear as a bell when I was standing at my sales manager's office and we had a choice to go for a big project which wasn't far from our factory and my competitors were going for it. And I remember in my head thinking, I'm going I'm to beat those guys. <laughs> I want to win this job. And I really just wanted to do it to rub it in their face because they annoyed me. Now, it turns out they ended up buying our company, which God gave Karen a dream years and years and years earlier. She didn't even know who they were. I'd never told her about that they were going to give us a big present. And, and ended up, they gave us a big present. They bought our company. And so it's weird how God speaks, isn't it? But anyway, so I'm standing at my sales manager's office and, I, and I, I've got two sides of me. Yes, I'm schizophrenic. Is that okay? Bipolar. I'm okay with that, if you're okay with that. I've got one side that's the flesh that says, kill those guys, win this job, and just rub their noses in it because they annoyed me. They were arrogant. And not knowing that I'm arrogant as well, and there's the spirit that says, you don't want this one. You got enough work already. I had $40 million worth of work on the books. We had 500 staff crawling all over each other. And it was just, it was mayhem, but I won it anyway. I knew I could and I went for it and I won it. And it was actually one of the downfalls of nearly losing everything. And so your strength can be your weakness. Your mind, your skills, your talents, your gifting, all those things that God gave you in the first place, can be the tripping point, can be the point where the enemy says, yeah, you got it all. You got the resources. You've got the talent. You've got the skill. You've got what it takes. And, and that becomes our weak point. And so we have to war against the flesh continually. It's one of those things that we never fully can release ourselves from. Even Paul, as experienced as he was, uh, you know, he, he wrote so many good books of the Bible and he was a man of faith and he walked with the Spirit. Even he says he has to rage against the things that he doesn't want to do because they keep coming back to him. There's temptations in the way. And so we have actually need to stand uprightly and truthfully and listen to the Spirit and stand in these things. There is a battle on. I want to give you a few examples. I, um, the easy way often takes us through a journey of confusion because the easy way to other people sometimes is the hard way for us. Let me explain that. I remember when we um, became pastors of the church and um, we, at, at that time you, we became overseers of the school as well because that just comes with the job. And... Um, you know, we're not educators. We don't know anything about that. So, um, but one thing we knew, we knew the call of God and we knew his, his basic outline for his will. And we didn't know everything and, and we got some things wrong, you know, but that's the journey, isn't it? But I can remember a distinct time where we were looking at, uh, even with Jenny and Brian, and we're sort of talking through the school and we're realizing, wow, there's, there's a very, there's a formula for establishing a Christian school. 
And I shared with the staff this week, actually, this similar message. Um, and there's a formula in schools, and you would have seen it around you. Catholic schools and Lutheran schools, Anglican schools, even and many good, solid Christian schools that were birthed in the Word of God. Many have given up their birthright. Many have given up their birthright. Why? Because they've sold out. They've sold out for money. They've sold out for buildings. They've sold out for numbers. I'm telling you, the easy way is the hard way. Because the easy way in the natural sense is for us as a school, we just open the floodgates. Another hundred people. There's another million dollars worth of funding. New buildings. Everyone's happy. Southern Vales is amazing. They've got a new fence. They've got new buildings. Everyone looks. The signs are amazing. Oh, it's incredible. No, it's not. We've sold our birthright. We've sold our birthright. So sometimes we've got to fight against what seems to be the natural way to keep our birthright, to keep what God's called us to actually accomplish here on earth. So the easy way is sometimes the hard way. I've found this with, with the whole school thing because, like I said, we're not educators. We're not teachers. God just called us to be the visionaries. And so we take on something. It's got a lot of history. It's got certain bits of baggage, and we step in, and we got baggage, and, and it's just chaos, isn't it? But anyway, God has his way. And the easy way for me would be to walk in and say, okay, Let's dampen down the gospel. Let's dampen down the fact that we're a biblical standing Christian creation, man and female marriage believing, gender is male and female believing school. Let's, let's just dampen that whole thing down. Let's open up the barriers. Let's start hiring staff who aren't necessarily Christians, but they like the nice, you know, little Bible in the corner over there. It makes them feel nice and, and they'll accept us. And so we let, the, let things in and things begin to grow. And everyone's going, wow, this is amazing. This is, you see how things dampen down? Look around you. Just about every single religious school has done this. They've done this. They've sold their birthright. Now, I know this is not really the, the, the platform for this, but I'm telling you this because this is the very easy way, is just to give way. We need to fight for our birthright. We need to fight for righteousness. We need to fight for what is truth. And I, I, I follow some, some pretty gutsy guys. I like gutsy guys, CrossFit guys. I don't care if they're saved or not. But do you know what's happened in the last couple of weeks? There's one guy I follow. I will not give you his link because he uses more F words than anyone I've ever heard in the world. But I can handle it. Because I'm watching him and he is training thousands of men all over America. Thousands of men. Thousands of men coming to him, learning how to be fit and healthy, learning how to be good husbands, learning how to... And I'm just watching this dude. And I think, man, he has got something that Christians need. And so I'm watching his stuff. And two weeks ago, I'm watching. And he says, you know what, guys? I'm going to tell you something that none of you are ever going to believe. I'm getting baptized. And I'm watching this thinking, what did he just say? So I watched it again. Now, there's, there's expletives all through it. I'm getting effing baptized. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. You know, and I'm watching this thing. This is like one big oxymoron. I'm not calling him a moron. I'm saying it's an oxymoron. But God will get whoever he wants to get. He'll get whoever he wants to get. And, and this guy's got, he's got a whole journey to go through. You, you can tell. But God's relentless. He's relentless. He's relentless. And if we will yield 
And if we're willing to pay the price, because there is a cost, isn't there? Anyone who's followed Jesus knows there is a cost. It's free, but it'll cost you everything. <laughs> it's, it's one of those weird things in life, isn't it? But you know what? The only thing it costs is all the crap that we've built up for ourselves anyway. If we're actually in the first place walking with him, there's not a lot, a lot to deal with anyway. And so he does pose questions of us. It's the same in life. There is a battle we have to face to regularly keep in relationship with each other. Wives and husbands, no. There's a battle we have to fight to get through our own stuff, to stay fresh and stay in good relationship. Same with friends, same with family, same with other people. I remember, I think it was when we were in Germany, but when we're really discovering uh, a whole health and healing journey for Karen and I. I'll always remember someone saying to us, no, I think it was in a different arena, but anyway, you'll, you'll get where I'm going. Um, you know, which battle do you want to fight? Do you want to bat battle for your health and fitness and life now on this side of a crisis? Or do you want to wait for a health crisis and then you have to fight it out? Now, many of us fight stuff out and I'm not making light of that. But that really jolted us. And we thought, no, actually, while we're fit and healthy, we want to stay fit and healthy, so we're going to fight for our fitness and healthiness. And I can tell you something, it's actually a fight. It is a fight. You know, there's not a bakery I don't drive past. <laughs> Bakeries do vegan pasties, okay? Beck's Bakery down at Port Nalunga, it's annoying. They have some of the best vegan pasties in this region. And, and I drive past, and I think, it's vegan. But as Karen reminds me, yeah, it's just full of rubbish, but it's vegan, you know. Now, I'm not saying if you have things here and there, you're whatever, you do whatever you want to do. But I'm telling you, for us, we've chosen to fight the battle now before we hit a health crisis. And it's a fight. I had taken a couple of weeks off um, my normal running sort of routine because I had a just a throat thing, and I thought, yeah, it's probably not good being out in the cold. So I had a couple of weeks off, and on Friday, um, I did. I went back to my normal routine, which is I, I run to the gym, go work out at the gym, and run home. And, you know, it's a three-hour turnaround. It's a three-hour exercise. It's a big deal. And um, I did it, and the next day, flipping heck, my legs are still, they're still hurting. And I'm thinking, I would do this four times a week with, without even thinking about it normally, and I just had a couple of weeks off and then all of a sudden I'm hurting. You have to fight for your health. You have to fight for your health. And it's better off you fight now than waiting for the doctor to say, oh, I'm sorry, now we're going to have to fight for your health. Don't wait for a doctor to tell you to fight for your health. Let's be like the Seventh-day Adventists. Let's be some of the healthiest people on earth. You know, statistically they are. They are. Look it up. Some of the healthiest people. Why? Because they take their health as part of who God created them to be. And it's a godly trait, isn't it? So, and I can feel some of you cringing. And it's like you just, I can see pictures of burgers and fries and sausages floating around the room. It's just, yeah, steaks. Yeah, yeah. Keep it coming. Whatever else. Cholesterol, obesity, diabetes, everything's coming, coming at me right now. 
I'm glad we can joke about this sort of stuff. But I'm telling you, you know, you'll know if you've been through a health, health crisis, it's, it's a serious deal. It's the same relationally. We have to fight for unity with one another. The enemy loves to come in and bring division. I, I was with someone recently and, and sitting there and a lovely, lovely person. They were a verbal processor. No one from here from a totally different region. And, um, you know, as I do, I like to connect. And so I reached out and just connected. And I'm sort of listening. I'm like, oh, this is heavy duty. Yeah, you know, sort of got problems with this arena, that arena. And I just sort of halfway through had to say, you know what? I've learned it's much easier just to bless all of those other leaders than actually have little issues with them. Because we're all in the kingdom. And do you know what? Wouldn't it be funny if we got to heaven and Jesus said, actually, you guys were doing it the wrong way. They were doing it the right way. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that just blow our minds? And we, we'd look and go, oh, okay. <laughs> but we're not as smart as we think we are. And so we don't have the right to form these massive opinions on, on, on everything that's wrong and right, and unless it's biblical, unless it's righteous and absolutely clear. But if it's just if some of this subjective stuff on what we like and what we don't like, you know, can get us get in the way sometimes. Church is the same thing. We, we need to fight for unity because sometimes we might think it's... it's it's uh, easy and it's God's will and he's moving and all that sort of stuff. But you know what? Sometimes it's not that easy, is it? We actually have to fight for this. We have to fight for what is right. We have to fight for truth. We have to fight through this stuff because then we will find God's will. And he always finds a way. He just needs yielded people like you and like me to actually see what we're going to do with this stuff. Let's read some scripture because I know some of you are getting nervous and like, hmm. Okay. We had Chad here last week, you know, rattling off the word of God, scripture after scripture. There's been no scripture and we're 20 minutes in. I think it's funny, something Chad said last week. There's a couple of things. I'm going to go on a rabbit trail. Is that okay? Just unclick your seatbelt. We're off formality. Just unclick it. No one unclicking, you didn't have your seatbelts on. It's against the law. Anyway, a couple of things I've been remembered of the last, or reminded myself of the last couple of weeks. I've been talking, I talked to Chad, obviously, and I talked to another pastor as well this week. And um, both of them, just about every single time I talk to them, remind me of an event. And it happened in this area here, actually, when James Gold was here many years ago, probably seven, eight years ago, something like that. He prophesied over both these young guys, Chad and this other pastor. And Chad and this other pastor constantly remind me that was so pivotal in your church when James Gold brought me out. And then when we meet other leaders, they say, oh, I remember that time when God moved in, in your church down at the altar or whatever. There's so many people that have memory stones of God in this place. And I want to remind you of that because God has not forgotten those memory stones. And they, when those guys remind me, I think, wow, that's right. I remember that. Your church was birthed out of that. And there's churches in Adelaide that have been birthed out of God touching people in this place. Anyway, so random point number one. Random point number two. Chad referred to, um, referred to Barry Chant. 
last week, randomly, he, he made some mention about, you know, some word someone's given. Well, I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, when I was about 10, I was sitting on the second wooden freezing cold pew back there. Very uncomfortable. I don't, I don't know how anyone even came to church back then. We had no ceiling, wooden pews, no decent sound system or lighting, artificial turf as carpet. I mean, we built and tough in the old days, didn't we? Anyway, so I'm sitting there, and I think it was a Sunday night. Uh, Barry Charant was preaching from here, and he had, he had an assistant, and he started giving me a word of knowledge, a prophetic word. And um, I'm like 10. I'm, I'm, I had no idea what he was even saying. But he gave me two verses, and even in one of the verses, it, it actually said, um, and I'm going to read you these two verses this morning. That's why I'm going here. Second Samuel 24, 24 was the first one. And I'll, I'll give you the next one in a second. And the next one, he sort of wrote the verse out and said, dot, 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 I don't know with a question mark. And I'm thinking, wow, that's weird. That's a strange prophetic word. But it was interesting because it stuck with me for a long time. So we're going to read from 2 Samuel 24, uh, and I'm going to start at verse 18. The prophet Gad. So David is the king, and his prophet is Gad. And Gad came up to David and said to him, Go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up, to, uh, went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Aruna looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming toward him. And Aruna went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague might be averted from the people. Then Aruna said to David, let my lord the king take up, take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and the yokes of oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Aruna gives to the king. And Aruna said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Aruna, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver, which is a lot of money. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. The point is, it costs something. And David the king could have taken anything for free. He could have done whatever he liked. He's the king. And yet he goes up to Aruna, the landowner, and he says, No, I will not give the Lord an offering that cost me nothing. I'm going to pay good money for this thing. And he paid him really good money for that thing, even though it was free. He gave him money. Why? Because he knew that when you pay a price, when you stake a claim on something, the Lord honours it. And it's the same with you and me, with our tithes, with our offerings, with our life, with our generosity, with the fact that you're even here this morning. All of this stuff standing for righteousness rather than wrongfulness, etc., etc. All these little prices that you pay, they are worth it. Don't ever think that God forgets about those things. Those sacrifices that you've made, those little choices that you've made when you've chosen Him over other things, they are worth it. God sees it and He will honour you. He will bless you. He will give you back tenfold. And we get eternity as an ice cream on top, <laughs> icing on top. And so 
We see here that David could have easily chosen another way. But God says, no, sometimes it will cost us something. It will cost us something. I want to then go to Revelation 10.9. Revelation 10.9. We've got this one up here. It says, So I went to the angel and told him to give me the small scroll. Yes, take it and eat it, he said. It will be sweet as honey in your mouth, but it will turn sour in your stomach. This is a weird verse. This verse has annoyed me since I was 10 because this is the one that had dot, 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 question mark. And I'm like, what, what do I do with that? But there are, there are many times where what seems good isn't good. And this is what happens with the world. What seems good to the flesh rots our spirit. What seems good in life actually gives us disease. And it's spirit, soul, and body. When we hang on to stuff that we should be forgiving, it's a disease. When we harbor stuff that we should be letting go, it eats away at us. We are spirit, soul, and body. And so it's so important that we realize that the things that God has laid down are for our benefit. They're so that we will prosper, not so that he will prosper. He's already prospered. It's so that we prosper. All, all of the principles of the kingdom, all of the goodness, even though we have to rage against them from now until eternity, we will have to rage against sin. We will have to rage against temptation. We will have to fight against lethargy and laziness and all of this stuff. We'll have to fight against that stuff. If you've ever thought, why is it so hard to do some of this stuff? Every single human being, you know what? There's no life hack. There's no life hack other than Jesus. If you don't know what I mean by that, look up life hack. It's one of those things that in today's modern era, the faster we can get an injection of success or, an inje or a fast track way of prosperity and breakthrough, then they're the things that people go for. But there is no real life hack other than Jesus Christ. He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one comes to the Father but through him. And so he is the life hack. There's the, there's the sermon for today. Jesus, the life hack. If you want a biohack, however, you're going to have to fight for it. That is a health hack. He doesn't just sovereignly just, just come down and you know, make that beautiful vegan pasty all calorie-free and healthy all of a sudden. No. <laughs> I can feel a lot of people just sort of want me to get off that topic. It's, it's a horrible topic. Keith and I have good discussions about this stuff during the week. You're going to have to fight for it. If you really want it, it'll cost you something. I'm talking about anything good, anything good. If you want a good marriage, you're going to have to fight for it. If you want good relationships with others, you're going to have to fight for it. It's not going to come easy. If you want to actually be successful in your career, you're going to have to fight for it. You're not going to get fast-tracked. And if you get fast-tracked, as quickly as you get fast-tracked, you can get dropped. I've learned that one. You get all these breakthroughs and then boom, the doors close. 
Let me give you an ex example financially. I've said this before. Uh, uh, one year, we made $11 million profit. It was a fantastical year in business, and we were winning all awards, and it was incredible. The next year, we lost it all. And so you just never, ever can rely on anything other than Jesus Christ. And through all of that, he teaches us lessons. I know you're still thinking $11 million. What on earth did you do with $11 million? <laughs> anyway, that's a whole nother story. But God is good through all that stuff. He's good through all that stuff. And many of you are testimonies of his goodness. Many of you are testimonies of his faithfulness. I want to tell you, keep fighting the good fight. Because although it costs you everything, you have an eternal reward waiting for you. You have an eternal reward waiting for you. Even though it's tough, even though people mis misunderstand you, they don't quite get you in the workplace. It's like, who is this person? What, what are they doing? What are they talking about? Is how we live. We're paying a price all the time. We're paying a price. And, and, and this next generation are going to need to learn this too. Because sometimes there's, there's been an affluence cushion of the next generation. There's been an affluence cushion which has stopped and even delayed some of the early pain in life. But it's, it's, it's still there. It's still there. So we yield and we obey and we do it the easy way. That is God's way. When we do it our way, watch out for the battles. Watch out for the battles because they come thick and fast. Let's stand. I want the worship team to come up and um, we're going to sing any song that Christy picks to sing. That's all right because I didn't prep her. But I want to read Ephesians 6.10 this morning. Uh, very, very easy verse. If you ever want to memorize a verse, this is a good one to memorize. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. See, the truth is you and I don't actually have the strength sometimes to fight the good fight. Sometimes things are way too heavy. The, the stuff going on around us is too much for us. And that's when the only easy way out is to yield to him and say, come and take over. And then he says, I am strong. And I have power. And he sweeps in and he takes over. I reckon he loves it when we get to that point in life. When we finally say, yes, Lord, I'm done. <laughs> I've had enough. I've had enough trying my way. I'm going to do it your way. And we yield to him and finally we yield to his easy way. The way of the Spirit. The way of the Spirit. But it's every day. It's every year. It's every part of our life. And so I want to just pray this morning. We're going to just sing this song together. And uh, I want to pray. And if you're listening to me this morning, you might even be listening by live stream or down at Aldinga or here in the room with us. It doesn't matter. But if God is speaking to you, I want to ask you this question. Will you give way? Will you do it His way or will you do it your way? The choice is yours. It will cost you something. In your mouth, it'll be as sweet as honey, and in your stomach, it'll be sour, meaning it's bittersweet. There's a cost, there's a price, but it's the best thing you'll ever do. I want just to let that question resonate with you as we just begin to worship. And let's lift worship to Jesus this morning together.